Well, how are you guys doing this morning? All right, this is, uh, this is a great day to uh, wrap up our drive-in and uh, celebrate our graduates, as well as remember those who gave their lives for our country um, this weekend for this Memorial Day weekend. But, uh, but yeah, we're, uh, we're, it's completely different than how we started or how the majority of the drive-ins were, where we're freezing, sometimes it's raining, right? Our cars are on running the heat, but now our cars are on running the, the air condition, and I'm up here sweating, which is completely opposite of how it's been. Uh, but I'm not complaining, right? Not complaining. Um, hey, we live in a world that values convenience, okay? Values convenience. We value entertainment. I mean, we're constantly designing uh, ways to make our life easier and more enjoyable. I know my grandma, she tells me that she remembers um, when she was a little girl on the farm in Kansas uh, where she grew up, um, she remembers them plowing the fields with like horses, okay? Completely different than how it is uh, today. I mean, think about it. You want popcorn? What do we do? We put the bag in the box and we press the button that says popcorn. Bam, it's there. Uh, we got half the channels on our TV we've never even watched before, okay? We don't even know they're there, all right? We, uh, we are, have unlimited access to any movie or show that we want with Netflix, and I know some of you guys are the Disney Plus people and Hulu and Prime and all those, all those different platforms. I mean, more shows or movies than we could ever hope to watch in our entire life. With Facebook and social media and TikTok and Twitter and Instagram, I mean, we, any point you know, of our day, we could go online and we could look at what other people have done recently or what, what they're doing in their life. I mean, it's so easy for us just to mindlessly scroll through that stuff for, you know, for hours. Right? Some people, we spend more time on our phone every day than we do working or talking to people. Right? Even with the virus thing that's been going on that we've all been dealing with, I mean, there's more for us to do ev than ever in the history of mankind. There's more places for us to go. There's more things to see. There's more entertainment available than ever before. Our lives are more convenient than it's ever been in human history, and we have had to work less than we've ever had to in human history. But the bulk of us are bored out of our minds, and we're frustrated. At last, uh, well, it wasn't last week. It was recently. I was at a store, and I ran into an old buddy of mine from, like, high school. I haven't seen him for, you know, at least a decade. I haven't seen him for a long, for years. And uh, we're waiting in line, which is always kind of awkward when you're like, oh, I think that's this person, but I'm not sure, you know, but we're standing in line and we're standing six feet apart, so we're on our little stickers or whatever. And, uh, and so I'm like, hey, how, how, how have you been? Right? And he looks at me, he's like, oh, okay. What am I supposed to say to that, right? What are you supposed to say when, you know, you're just like, oh, great. Okay, you're just okay. That's, that's and so I'm just like, oh, all right. What we're going to be talking about today is we're going to be talking about contentment in our life. We live in a world that is that we're increasingly, even though we have more stuff to do and more entertainment available, we live in a world that is more increasingly more discontent, even with all our entertainment, even with all of our possessions. I mean, contentment is an unbelievably important idea and Paul chooses to basically end his letter to the church in the city called Philippi with this very idea. As probably most of you know, uh, we've been going through a series called Isolated But Not Alone. And we have been going through Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, the letter to the Philippians. And when Paul is writing this letter, as we've talked about several times, he's writing this as he's in jail. 
okay? He's in a Roman prison, and this wasn't just any ordinary church to Paul. I mean, this was actually a church that Paul started, right? He knew these people. He knew these people really well. This wasn't just some distant church that he's like, oh, I've heard of you, so I'm going to write you a letter. It's not what's going on here, right? He cared for these people. These people were so much more than that. These people were his friends, and he loved them, and this is probably, he probably knows at this point that he's never going to get a chance to see them again. This is probably his last communication with them before he is put to death. But the Philippian church was one of those churches, and Paul has several, that, that assisted Paul financially, especially with supplies and stuff like that, as Paul went around and started churches in the huge cities in Rome, in the Roman Empire. And so even now, one of the reasons why he's, letting, why he's writing this, this letter is he is thanking them for helping Helping him. This is, this is where we're going to start off this week. Uh, AJ left off last week in verse 9, and so this week we're going to start off in verse 10, and we're going to wrap up this letter um, to the Philippian church. This is what he says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10. He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. He says, you were in fact concerned about me, but you lacked opportunity to show it. Basically he's saying, hey, I received your gift, and I just want to thank you. It excites me. You know, thank you for doing what you were able to do, right? He's recognizing that they wanted to help him out for a long time, but he wasn't able, but they weren't able to do so. See, remember, in the Roman Empire, it's not like you could just, oh, Paul needs some money, right? So I'm going to put a letter in the mail, you know, write a check, put a letter in the mail, and send it off via UPS or FedEx or the mail, all right? You can't do that, all right? You can't just jump in a plane or a car or a train and go visit, you, you know, you can't, you can't do that in the Roman Empire. Um, they had to uh, really personally deliver the letter. See, Paul, as he's in Rome, in prison, right, the Romans don't care if he dies. They don't care. So Paul, even though he's in prison, it's just different than it is today, Right? He had to still support himself. He had to pay for his own food. He had, to, he had to support himself as he's in prison. And so these people are helping him. And they, uh, I don't know if a guy volunteered within their church or they, you know, like, hey, you're going to do it. I don't know what happened. But this guy named Epaphroditus decides to travel from Philippi, the city of Philippi, to Rome to deliver um, this help for Paul. And this is like a two- to three-month trip of walking, Okay. Right, not exactly how I'd want to spend the summer. So two to three months there, two to three months back, actually. And it was, and it was very dangerous. Like, this is a big deal for Epaphroditus to do this. We know that in chapter 2 of Philippians that Epaphroditus, he almost died on this journey to Paul. So it's a big deal. And Paul, he recognizes that. And so one of the things he's saying is he's just like, hey, guys, thanks. Right, thanks, for, thanks for helping me out. Really, really appreciate it. In verse 11, next verse, he says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. He's saying, I'm not saying thanks because, you know, I want more cash or I need more, I need more gifts. Uh, it's actually the opposite situation here. He's saying, I've learned to be content with what I have. Think about that for a second. How many of us could say that we are truly content? That if we weren't to receive anything else, we're good with where we're at. Right, that we have everything we need. See, Paul's saying, actually, I need to be content not just in what I have, but in any circumstance 
that I am in. And to me, this is so key. See, I, I feel like all of us, we understand the general idea that we need to be content, right? We're like, yeah, I get it. You know, I need to be content with what God has given me. I need to be content with, with, uh, with my life, and I need to be content with what's going on. But, but when we're not content, right, how do we justify it, right? Because we all, we all do this to a certain extent, right? Usually what we do is we come up with an excuse, and it's usually centered around our circumstances, centered around some situation that's happening in our life. Well, Zach, you don't know what I'm going through. Right? I have a good reason to why this is not okay in my life. Or, or we think, hey, in most situations I'm content, but this particular situation, I mean, this is different. Or we, or we say things like, hey, I have the right to be con- discontent because my friend or my brother or my ex-wife or whoever, they're just doing great in life. Everything's going perfect for them, and my life just doesn't seem to measure up. See, some of us, we even say things like, you know, which I've had people say this to me actually in counseling recently. It's like, I deserve better. I deserve better than this. See, it's so crazy to me. This, is, this drives me crazy. It's so crazy to me that, uh, you know, we come up with these. It's like we take God's truth. We twist it to kind of fit our opinion and to make doing wrong seem okay. Right, we come up with this way to justify why doing the opposite of what God tells us to do is all right, but only in this situation. And I have to, this, you know, the Bible doesn't apply in this circumstance. This is unique. I mean, we all get what Paul would say, right? All right. I mean, let me tell you about some of the circumstances that Paul went through. In 2 Corinthians, Paul actually lists out some of his circumstances, some of the things that had happened to him. And uh, this, this is what he talks about. Number one, he, he talks about how he's been in prison. Actually, like I said, as he's writing this letter, he's in prison, right? Prison isn't like how prison is today. It's not like you got, uh, you know, you got beds in an air-conditioned building. Now you got yard time. You get to go outside. I don't know if that's for real, but, uh, but that's how it is in the movies, you know. Um, you know, that's not how it was. Prison in Rome, I mean, that's like a hole in the ground. And we know that Paul is handcuffed to a guard 24-7. And he's, this is, he's been in this situation for like two years at this point. Constantly next to somebody. Handcuffed. He hasn't had the handcuffs off in two years. Right? Not the best situation. He talks about how he's been beaten more times than he can count. He talks about how he's been in constant danger of death. He received 39 lashes Five different times. See, the Romans were so good at getting you almost dead. Make it, and making it as painful as possible where you would almost die but not quite die. Right? And so for the Romans, they viewed as, you know, they knew that, hey, if a man receives 40 lashes, he will probably die. But if he receives 39, he might live. Paul's like, I had that happen to me five different times. He talks about how he's been beaten with rods three times and how he's been stoned and how he's been shipwrecked three times. I mean, you think after two shipwrecks, right, you'd be done with ships. You'd be done with boats, but not Paul. Uh, he spent one, one of those shipwrecks, he spent a day and night in the sea, not knowing if he was going to drown or what. Right, he had faced dangers, Paul says, by rivers, by robbers, by his own people, the Jews. I mean, think about it, but that one hurt. 
His own people are trying to kill him. People that he knew. People that used to be friends. He talks about how other people groups are also trying to kill him, like Rome. Um, He talks about how he's faced dangers in the city, out in the wilderness, in the sea. He talks about how he's had so many sleepless nights. We just, there's so much going on, he just can't sleep. He talks about how he's been starving, that he's had so many days without food, and, and he's also experienced dying of thirst. He's been in situations where he's been unbelievably cold, where he has almost died from exposure. We know that one time, Paul, Paul describes it as a thorn in his side, but it's some physical like ailment that Paul had going on that was super painful in his body. And he prays to God, asking God, please, God, take this away from me. This hurts. And God says, no. Reminds us, by the way, that God is allowed to tell us no sometimes. Right? We forget that. We think God owes us everything. And God tells Paul that his, his grace is sufficient. And on top of all of that that Paul has been through, he says he feels a bunch of pressure to care for the people in different churches that are spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. One of those churches probably being Philippi, the church that he's writing to. See, Paul's like, man, I've had some rough circumstances, way worse than any of us here have ever experienced. But he says, but God has still called me to be content. See, even though our circumstances are not ideal, and we're all in the same boat on that. Sure, there's different, you know, situations and some are worse than others. I, I understand that. But none of us are going through a perfect life. We all have issues. We all got problems. Paul's saying it doesn't really matter. Even though our circumstances are not ideal, we should be able to be content. Now, the question is, how do we do it? I don't know. How how do we be content? I mean, it's a lot easier said than done. Not sometimes, but in every situation that happens. Like, how is that possible? Paul, he, uh, he actually already answered this in verse 11. Paul says, you know how I did it? I learned it. He says, I learned to be content. I learned how to be content. Now, if you have to, you know, if you're having to learn to be content, you know, that means that uh, contentment is not natural for us. It's not just something we have. We have to learn it. How many of you guys have ever taken, like, had a test or something that you're like, I'm going to ace this, you don't study, you know, some of you graduates where it's like, yeah, I'm good. You know, anybody out there like that? Okay, all right, we got, a, we got a few. We've probably all done that to a certain extent. I remember I told this story a few years ago at our Fremont campus, but as a youth pastor, I had to, uh, one of the things I needed to do was get my CDL. We got buses at the church, and so to drive a bus with people in it, you have to have a commercials driver's license. So in order to do that, I had to go through a big old test. You got like an inspection test, and then you got maneuverability test, and then you got a driving test. And so for me, I'm like, you know what? I'm a dude, right? Like driving's not that hard. I've never been in a wreck or anything before. I think I can handle a bus. Like I get it's a little bigger. It's a little longer, you know, but uh, it's like driving a car only you got to make extra wide turns, right? And so um, I go into this, and I, I look over, you know, I get online, I find out exactly what I need to know, and I'm looking over it, and I'm like, I'm pretty good. All right, not worried about it. 
Well, I go into the test. I take the test in Norwalk um, and uh, bombed it. Like, I failed completely. It was embarrassing. Actually, one of the things my, my, uh, the instructor or, you know, the guy testing me said at the end, he was like, you don't know this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I guess not. I thought I did, but I didn't. He was like, hey, you need to listen to your teacher, whoever's training you. And I'm like, um, I don't really have anybody to train me. I'm a pastor. I'm not like a truck driver in some trucking school. And then he kind of felt guilty about that. But later, he started going through, and he was like, hey, you need this, this, this. Oh, you know, you don't have a teacher. Okay, here you go. But uh, I, I rescheduled that test for like two weeks later. During that two weeks, I had to like learn it. I had to learn. It was all stuff that I, that I thought, you know, some of it's like self-explanatory. You know, you got to go up and go point at the lug nuts of the bus, and you're like, the lug nuts are tight. That's good. You know, I kind of, you know, think that you just walk by and you don't have to point it out, but they want it all pointed out. And so you got all these systems and stuff that I would have never have known without this guy telling me what I needed to know. And then me taking time out of my week, you know, to actually learn it. It's the same thing with contentment, right? We have to learn it. By the way, in case you're wondering, I did pass that test the second time, dominated it. The guy was like, hey, you did really good. And then afterwards, because I did so good, I'm sure it's because of this, he like, I was, he knew I was a pastor. I'm sitting in the bus seat so you could picture it. And the guy kneels down and like almost like he bows down to me, which is kind of weird. I'm not used to people doing it. But uh, if you want to, I won't say no. But he kneels down, and then he asks, you know, he's like, hey, I would really like a man of the cloth to pray over me. I've never been called that before. I'm not even 100% sure if I am a man of the cloth or what a man of the cloth is. I think it's, I don't know if it's a Catholic thing or what. But, uh, but so I was like, okay, all right. And so I prayed for him. But, uh, but we have to learn it. I had to learn you know, to, how to take that test. I had to learn all the stuff on the bus. Same thing with contentment. We have to train ourselves. We have to practice at it. We have to learn it. I mean, check this out, what Paul says in the next verse. He actually repeats his thought in verse 12. He says, he says just in case you missed what I was saying in the last sentence, he's saying, I know how to make do with a little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all, here's that word again, circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. See, he's saying, hey, I have learned to be content while being wealthy. We know that before Paul was a Christian, I mean, Paul had it going on. He was young. He was affluent. He was wealthy. He was the rising star. I mean, Paul was the next it in Judaism. People wanted to be him. But then here, as he's writing this letter years later, I mean, he's, he's saying, I also learned how to be content with nothing. Here he has nothing. He doesn't even have his freedom. He's saying, I learned how to be content when I had more food than I could ever need, like all of us. But I also learned how to be content when I was starving. You see what he's doing here? Right? He's saying contentment is not in any way related to our circumstances. Like contentment and circumstances have nothing to do with each other, which is really flies in the face of our natural thinking because the way we justify discontentment is our circumstances. Paul's like, no, those have, those have nothing to do with each other. Don't even start. He's saying either way, 
It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. Either way, I could be content. If it's wealth, if I'm wealthy, that's great, right? I consider none of it mine, and I will use that wealth to, to reach others for Jesus. But if I have nothing, that's great too, because then I could put my trust in God to provide for my needs. Not always our wants, by the way. And I will do whatever I possibly can to reach others for Jesus. He's saying it doesn't matter which takes place. It doesn't matter if everyone loves, loves me or if everyone hates me. It doesn't matter if I'm healthy or if I'm sick. It doesn't matter if everything works out the way I want it to or nothing seems to go according to plan. Right? It doesn't matter if I'm comfortable. It doesn't matter if I'm uncomfortable. It doesn't matter. He's saying I've learned to be content in everything and circumstances just don't matter because they do not affect my contentment. See, our contentment is never to be connected to our circumstances. I want to hammer that home. Contentment is never to be connected to our circumstances. It's not a justification and it's not an excuse for us to be discontent. In the last verse here, in verse 13, he says, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. We've all probably heard that verse before. It's super well known. I don't think that there is a more misquoted verse in the entire Bible. I mean, we hear this verse all the time. I can do anything with God's help. Anything I want to do, God will help me and, you know, I, I can do anything. See, people, especially us as Christians, right, we, we apply this verse to everything. We put on T-shirts. We put on our social media. You know, uh, athletes memorize this verse. Oh, yeah, we're going to go win the championship because God can use me to do anything. Going to memorize this verse. So taken out of context. See, there are things that I can't do, believe it or not. Right? And this verse is the evidence that I can't. What's Paul saying here? What's the context? The context is con- contentment. See, it's like, it's not, hey, Christ will strengthen me to be the CEO someday. Yeah, could he? Of course he could. But it is, hey, whether I'm the CEO or not. Christ will give me strength to be content. See, you live where you are as you are for Jesus. And that's really what the whole letter is about. You take everything really from the last few weeks that AJ and I have been talking about and that uh, the guys in Fremont have been talking about, and you really throw it all into one concept in this whole series called Isolated But Not Alone. And the concept is this. What Paul's trying to tell or get the Philippian people to understand is, hey, you need to have joy. And because you have joy, rejoice. Right? You need to have joy. And because of joy, you need to rejoice, 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 rejoice. I mean, like AJ talked about the first week, we get to look at the big picture. Why? Because we have joy. Right? We, uh, we get to be in community with each other the way God wants us to, and that should bring us joy. We should never complain because we have so much joy. We should always be able to move forward because we have all this joy in our life. We don't have to worry about how many good things we've done or how all the bad things we've done in our, in our life. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry if our good outweighs our bad. Why? Because we have joy of what God has already done for us. See, we can be content in our life. Why? Because we have joy. We should be living every minute of our life for God. And when we do that, when that's our focus, and when that's our goal, That's how we learn to be content. 
That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, that's the secret. That's the secret to being content. It's so easy for us to get trapped in the meaningless, exhausting pursuit of trying to find contentment without God being at the center of your life. You can't do it. It doesn't work. That's why so many of us have no joy. I've said this for years, and I 100% believe it, and that is I think the best way to judge someone's spirituality or to judge someone's relationship with God or to judge your own relationship with God or your own spirituality, you know what the best, the best way to judge that is? How much joy is in your life? How much joy is in your life? Right? Too many times we see Christians at church that they're just, A, either always serious or they're never happy about stuff or they're just complainers, they're just bent. You can't have a good relationship with God and, and be like that. You can't have a good relationship with God and have no joy. You can't have a good relationship with God and not be content with what he's given you. See, the world is filled with entertainment. It's filled with things to do, places to see, things to, you know, places to go. But in the end, none of it will bring you contentment in your life. You can chase after all that. None of it will bring contentment in your life. Only a relationship with God can. And it's really not just having a relationship with God. It's having a good relationship with God. Like having an intimate relationship with God. So I got good news. We could be content. And we as a church should have joy. That's good news, right? Let's pray. God, we thank you for giving us so much, Lord. More than what we could ever count or think of. God, help us to be content with what you've given us. It doesn't matter the circumstance. It doesn't matter the situation that we're in. None of us have perfect lives. God, help us to be content. And because of that contentment, you have given us the ability to experience true joy. And it's all because of you. And God, we thank you for that because you don't owe us nothing. Lord, please give us that joy. Give us that contentment. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.